Thank you. Well, it's needless to say, this is a real privilege for me. Um, I really appreciate our pastor, and I appreciate his, his ministry and his uh, teaching and preaching of the word faithfully. And so it's an honor for me to, um, to have this opportunity. And um, you have a well-worn place in your Bible right now because we've been um, going through Hebrews in the morning. And I'm going to have a, a sermon with you from Hebrews chapter 12. So if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, I'm just going to focus on uh, a couple of things there. I don't want to rob too much of the pastor's thunder, uh, because he'll get to this passage, and he will, he will um, uh, teach us much from it, I'm quite sure. But um, I guess if I were to title the message, I would, I would title it simply this, and, and you'll get it after a while. Whatever happens. Whatever happens, God has something he wants us to do, whatever happens. And it's in this passage of scripture. So we're going to read uh, chapter 12, book of Hebrews, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also, wherefore we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, I need your help, and I pray for your, your um, help and, and, and uh, cleansing in my life. Uh, give me the thoughts that you would have me to share. Help me to be a blessing to these, uh, your people. Um, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the lessons that you have taught me even from this passage. Uh, even in just the last couple of days. Uh, help me, Father, to be a blessing and help us all to seek to be a blessing to one another and to bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In chapter number 11, uh, just from your experience in Scripture, you may recall that chapter is called the, the Hall of the Faithful or the Great faith chapter and talking about many people who lived by faith and all these wonderful examples uh, of, of folks who lived by faith like, like Moses and Noah um, and, and uh, on and on. And um, so when we read verse number uh, one here in chapter 12, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those are the folks that we're probably thinking of, at least initially that we've got all these witnesses, folks that have run their race uh, before we have, perhaps, uh, and, uh, and now they're uh, in heaven, and they are witnesses to uh, what's going on down here and how Christians are living and what we have to live with and in spite of and all of that. And as I, as I look at this race that it talks about, I have to ask the question, well, what is the race? 
And I certainly believe that within the context, what it's talking about is simply the idea of living the life of faith. I have a race set before me. Each of you have a race that is set before you. And if you read chapter 11, or you recall chapter 11, you look at the race of each of these different people that the Bible gives us, uh, the specific ones, Moses and Abraham and so forth. And you see that they had a race, and it was a, a, a life, a, a living of the life of faith, and they came into different situations. There were different expectations that God had for them. There were different challenges that they faced. And I just want you to realize, just like I need to realize, and I, I, I tell you what, I wish I had to realize this even when I was, when I was younger uh, in the ministry, but to realize that our race is an individual race. And God has individual opportunities for each of us, and he has uh, gifts that he's going to give to each of us and guidance that he's going to give us. And one of the biggest mistakes I think that, that we can make, and I know that I made this mistake in my own life sometimes, was looking at other people that were running the race and trying to pattern my race after theirs. And I just want to, to, to just say to you and remind myself that it's not a race with somebody else and that I need to beat them or somehow match what they're doing. But rather, my race is for me. Your race is for you. And it is living the life of faith. And, and facing the challenges and taking the opportunities that are there before us. Whatever happens, verse number two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Whatever happens, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. One of the things that, that I like to do when I'm teaching a lesson or if I'm giving a message is to sort of give something maybe more than one thing, but, but something that if I wanted to, I could put it on a post-it note and I could stick it on my mirror so that I'd see it in the morning. Something practical so that, you know, I get up, I wash my face, and boom, there it is. Whatever happens, look to Jesus. Whatever happens today, look to Jesus. And that word look actually has, it's a fascinating thing to me, but it actually has the idea of setting aside other things that you could look at and look specifically at Jesus. Because distractions are one of the things that Satan uses to get us to be off course, to get us to not be focused on running the race as the Lord Jesus would have us to run the race. He wants to get us distracted. You remember when Jesus came into a home and there were two sisters. You remember those two sisters? One of those two sisters was basically in the kitchen. Who was that? 
Martha. There was another one who was so focused on learning from Jesus and just being there with him. What was her name? Mary. Mary and Martha. Now, you know that story. And at some point, Martha, who's trying to prepare so that she can be the proper host, which was something that was a big deal in their culture. I've got to have things. I've got to be able to, to be a host. I've got to be able to provide for the folks that have come into to the home. And she finally looked at Jesus and she said, Jesus, would you please ask Mary to help me? And Jesus said to her, and I can't quote the word exactly, the phrase exactly the way he said it, but Martha, Martha, you are encumbered. You are caught up. You are distracted by many things. But Mary has chosen the better part. Mary has chosen to be here close to me. And it's fine. It's good. You don't have to worry about whatever fixings and things like that that you feel like you have to accomplish. But right now, the most important thing is that Jesus is in your house and you're focused on the kitchen or what have you. She was distracted. And being distracted can take us off the course. It can have us looking at the wrong things. So we sometimes need to exclude those things that can draw our attention, easily draw us away into looking at things and people and so forth other than looking at Jesus. So if I'm running my race, if I'm living the life of faith, and as I'm proceeding down that way and something goes wrong, where do I look? Well, sometimes the first place we look is not the first place we ought to look. We look to other people running the race. We, we look to, to other situations, other things, and, and we need to look to Jesus. Because when I stumble, I can look to Jesus and I can see where Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He is that high priest that is not so lifted away and, and far away from any understanding of what we go through, but rather he's that, that high priest who understands what we are going through and what it's like to run the race. So when I consider living the life of faith and whatever happens, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, first of all, he is our chief. Now, if you look here in verse number two, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the author. And the idea there in that, in that, that, that word author is both the concept of the one who begins something and also someone who is then the leader, the head, the chief, the coach, <laughs> you know, the, the, the head uh, person. And, and it's just this combination here. So the word author in one sense, I, I see how the author, he's the one who initiated this race, he's the one who founded the race, but then he's also our chief, our captain. And as our captain, he has founded the race, he's also run the race. 
And so I look unto Jesus. Why? Because he's the leader. He's the, the captain. He's the one who's run the race successfully. And the Bible tells us that once he completed that, he sat down at the Father's right hand. Jesus has fulfilled God's will in living the life that God gave him to live. And so he is our captain, the founder of the race. Also, he endured the hardships of the race. It says he is the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured everything that is included in the cross, everything that's included in all the shame and all the degradation. But if you think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many times did people rush upon him to try and kill him in one way or another? Several times. How many times was Jesus challenged mocked how many times was he was he accused of blasphemy these are things that that you may experience in some way or another we're going to be persecuted if we have a testimony a life of faith that that actually rises up above just the hubbub of living you know it's it's easy to sort of keep our heads down in the, in the living, you know, living our day-to-day -day lives. Keep our heads down, do your job, keep your head down. And sometimes it's a temptation to do that. Because here we are as Christians, and number one, I look around this room, and we have some young people that, that uh, you know, maybe are plus or minus 20 years old, some a little younger, some a little older. But, but a number of us, we remember back when it was, it was almost popular to be a Christian. You know, yes, there were problems. You remember, we, we, we knew there were problems in the 70s, for those of you that were around in the 70s. Okay, I know I'm kind of aging or dating myself, but yes. But, you know, I mean, go back and you look and you think about, you think about uh, uh, the things that now that we're contemplating as challenges to Christianity and the sort of wholesale dismissal of Christianity as being just just hocus pocus make-believe by the way just a little side note do you see the mess that's been created by throwing away the Bible and throwing away God I mean what a mess you would think that if the world was succeeding, you would think that they would be able to point to all these schools and young people in school and teenagers and they'd be able to say, look, these kids are better now than what they were 40 and 50 years ago now that we've gotten rid of God, now that we've gotten rid of the Bible. Not so true, is it? No. I realize there have always been bad people who did bad things, but I'll tell you what. What's happened to our society as a result of 
our leaders and society in general just pushing away God and pushing away the Bible and pushing away Jesus Christ and pushing away faith. We've seen things that have arisen like these mass murders, these mass shootings. And no one wants to admit to the fact it's just that our society is, is uh, disintegrating. We have taken out the appreciation and love of life because we say everybody's just some product of evolution, just a little further along the way. Instead of recognizing that life is precious and it was created by God and that we will stand accountable to God for that which we do in this life. Not very successful, is it? Okay, parentheses closed over there. We're talking about Jesus endured the hardships of the race. Look at uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse number 15. Chapter 4 and verse number 15, Hebrews. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I made reference to this just a minute ago. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, Jesus had to make decisions. Jesus, I realize that Jesus is the God-man. I understand that. And I realize that Jesus being God, it cannot, he cannot be tempted, certainly from within himself, but he is, he is not uh, going to sin. But Jesus still had to resist that sin. Jesus still, when he was hungry, and Satan came to him and said, Here's what I say, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus knew that the timing was not right and it was not the will of God at that point. And Jesus, though he was hungry, still had to say no. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus was tempted to sin. Jesus withstood the temptation to sin. He's been down those pathways. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He can understand when we are running our race and Satan comes to us with what verse number 1 in chapter 12 says, the sin which doth so easily beset us. Sin that trips us up. What do I do when I'm tempted to sin? Whatever happens. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. This um, re reading of, of this passage and, and preparing for this message, it drove me to the Gospels. And particularly, I went to the Gospel of John and just started reading in there just what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying. And I believe I was in chapter number 6 and just drove me to, to read a section of, of Jesus' life and of Jesus' teaching. And when I want to look to Jesus, 
Well, I need to know Jesus. I realize I need to be saved. And that's not my primary focus, but it certainly is essential. We need to know Jesus as our Savior. But I need to know about Jesus. I need to know the things that Jesus said. I need to know the things that Jesus did. And I encourage you, even as I have uh, sort of renewed this in my own life, yes, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. But I want to know more about Jesus. And so I'm making the Gospels, particularly the Gospels, um, I'm making that more a regular part of my devotional life. It's not that I can't be enriched by reading Proverbs or Psalms or even, even Deuteronomy or Jeremiah or Lamentations or, or by reading uh, the epistles or what have you like that. And, and I'm reading those things, and, and so should you. But I believe that having, a, having regular exposure to the Lord Jesus is going to be a blessing and a help to us that as we are living the life of faith and things come into our life that we can think upon, remember, look upon the Lord Jesus. How did Jesus respond here? Now, I've got to be honest with you. And, and I'm not being flippant about this at all. I have a temper. I do. And you think an old guy like me would be more on top of that thing, but I have a temper. And, um, and it convicts me. And I need to look more at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to look more into his wonderful face and see how he faced the challenges that came his way, the disappointments, the, the various things, and seek to have his temperament rather than that old sinful nature take over. Because the wrath of man does not accomplish the will of God. Lord Jesus Christ, he endured many, many things. Just a couple of thoughts. It says that he endured the cross. Now, think with me, and I know this is, this is sometimes we think about things like, like this at Christmas time. But the, the, Bible, the Bible teaches that God is far, far above the angels really far above heaven. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he left that ultimate position of glory. He came down. He did not become an angel to minister on this planet. He came and became a human being. And when he came to be a human being, to the surprise of the wise men, he did not become a royal human being. He came as a common person. But not only that, Jesus Christ became a servant. He was serving others. I mean, picture the Lord Jesus Christ when the disciples come in and they've been walking around in their sandals in the dusty, dirty roads. And it was Jesus that went and got a pail of water and a towel and he washed their You know, Jesus was willing to go further than that. Jesus was not only a, a servant. Jesus was willing to actually be treated and be viewed as a common criminal. 
and the very worst of the worst because he was crucified. On the cross, a cross that was, that was inhumane. He had been tried in an unjust court. The whole thing was unfair, un, un, ungodly, really. He despised the shame because the shame that came with all of what he experienced, the shame of being a criminal, the shame of being jeered, the shame of being hung on the cross. Um, some say that he was, that he was allowed a, a, a loincloth. Uh, even that was, was shameful, but there's the possibility even that Jesus was hanging upon the cross naked. Such shame. And yet he did all of that in order to provide salvation for us, in order to fulfill the will of his Father. He endured the hardships of the cross. And then Jesus completed fully his race. He completed it fully. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It seems to me, Pastor, it might, it might not have been too long ago you made reference to, to the word, um, the Greek word telos or something like that. Um, and it's, um, it's a word that actually we, we, we see in English words now. One example is telephone. Telephone comes from the word telos. And the idea is, is, is to come to the, to the full, the point of full completion. Uh, to, to the very, very end. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, he brought his work, his Christian life, or, or his, his, his life uh, as, as God's son, the savior of the world, he brought it to full completion. I'd like to ask you to turn over to John, save your place here, but go to John chapter 19 and verse 30. Gospel of John chapter 19 and verse number 30. John 19:30. When Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, "It is finished." And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. It is finished. That has that that word in it. Uh, it's a derivative of, of, of this word telos that that means a completion, full completion. And the word that Jesus spoke when he said it is finished is tetelestai. Tetelestai. Now, it's, it's an announcement. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's come to that place where he's accomplished everything that he was here to do. And he takes in a breath, which without going into too much detail, meant that he had to pull himself up he takes a breath, and in order to speak, he, he has to essentially hold himself in that position, as I understand it, because when the arms are slack like this, you can't breathe or exhale. You're hanging on the cross like this. And he says, says Te telestai! It's my understanding it's the same words that were used once they, at the Passover, they completed all that was required with the sacrifices and everything, and that, that terminology was used. It has been fully completed. It is, it is done. 
exactly the way it should be done all the way to the very end. And that's what Jesus accomplished. Now we could say he had some goals in mind and I know that we could probably take time and just think it through together and I'm sure we could come up with more than this but I'm just going to give you a short list. Jesus paid sin's debt fully. Check that goal off. He paid sin's debt fully. He defeated death and hell. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The word grave there is, 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 is a word that was used um, in, in various ways that has the idea of hell, the separation of the, of the spirit from the body. Jesus holds the keys. He completely satisfied uh, uh, the demands for defeating death and hell. He made reconciliation with the Father possible. The only thing that stands between us and reconciliation with our, uh, with our Heavenly Father, our sin is, is, is taken care of. It's just receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as the solution, as our Savior from sin. No one is going to go to hell simply because they're a sinner. They go to hell because they have refused God's answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus satisfied God's holy justice and his love. You see, on the one hand, God, a just God, a holy God says, you've sinned, you must pay for your sin. The wages of sin is death. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But God so loved the world. I don't want to send them to hell. I want to bring them to be with me. So he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus was able to reconcile God's justice and his holiness with his love and his mercy because he took the penalty of all our sin upon himself and he took completely, fully, all the way to the very completion. And then just finally, let me say this. It says that we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, by the way, let me just throw one more goal in. Jesus, Jesus wanted to be back with his heavenly Father. He wanted to be there in his presence. Jesus completed his mission completely. And then he was back at the Father's side, there to intercede for us. We think about the joy, the joy beyond the cross. What about the joy beyond your race? What is there? What is there at that finish line? Well, one thing is that we know the scripture tells us that God, when we have finished our race, and we've sought to do it in a way that pleases him and honors him, he will say, 
Well done. Good, faithful servant. Well done. Now think about the Lord Jesus. And, and uh, a voice comes from heaven. Jesus has been baptized by John. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I believe that the Lord Jesus understood a joy and a thrill at those words. Uh, even though we know that Jesus was always attuned with the Father, I believe that it gave him great joy. And of course, it was also a testimony for those that heard those words. But one day God is going to say to us, as we have sought to run the race, to live the life of faith, faithfully, well done. You've done a good job. I'm glad you're here. And we will then be in the presence of the Lord Jesus and of the Father. We will be in that place where there will be no more temptation. Full sanctification. No sin to burden us. And, and back reunited with all those that we have known through the years uh, that also trusted in Christ. What a blessing to look forward to that. There is joy. And then just this. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross. The word endurance has the idea of staying faithful under difficulties, under trial, under pressure. To stay faithful, to stay the course under these circumstances. I know it's People will say, well, you know, hey, you're a Christian. What are you doing under the circumstances? <laughs> uh, but the truth is, is we have circumstances of life. How am I going to stay faithful? How am I going to keep my focus on the joy and the hope, the everlasting hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? How is it? Whatever happens, I need to keep looking to Jesus. And if you're a post-it noter, put that post-it note wherever makes the best sense for you, whether it's on the mirror or in the car. Not in front of the speedometer now. But, you know, but, but remember, we're running a race. We're living the life of faith. And whatever happens, whatever comes across our path, whatever comes in, what we need to do, what I need to do, is to look unto Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to look to your word. Father, help us to, to look into the face, the life, the words of the Lord Jesus, his example. As we run the race that he has founded, help us, Lord, to emulate our captain in this Christian life and to seek not to copy other people or to please other people but help us to seek to do what the scripture says which is to become more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ may we please you and may we 
honor you with what we say and do in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pastor, do we do anything as an invitation? Or we, we're done. We're done, folks. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon.